Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our podcast, The Sober Grind. This is Pej, and I'm here with my co-host, Austin, and we are back from the holidays. We are back. Happy New Year, Pej. Happy New Year to you, too. Everything go good for you this New Year? It was great. I had a lot of fun. Did you party like it was 1999? Uh, well, I was nine years old in 1999, <laughs> so if by that you mean go to sleep early, uh, no. <laughs> See, I'm a Prince fan, so if you really follow Prince, you know that for the longest time his song 1999 was in relation to Let's Party Like It's 1999. Oh, gotcha. And then when it actually came up after that, we continued to still party like it's 1999, <laughs> like the end of the world, right? So uh, party hard. That's good. Yeah, yeah. I was in... Uh, I was in Los Angeles uh, at Grand Park for the countdown. They had a great event there. There was a couple stages set up, a couple DJs, a couple singers. They had this amazing projection mapping light on, I'm not sure what building it was, uh, but it was pretty cool. It had a, a countdown clock and a bunch of different motion graphics on there. And Very was, cool. It was very fun. How about you? What did you do? I ended up speaking at a young person's event over there in Santa Ana at the Bowers mm. Museum. The place was fascinating, really wow. cool. This huge event room. There was hundreds of young adults there. Um, there was no seating sitting room. I wore my best suit. I wore a bow tie. I, I a little handkerchief and <laughs> and um, a very. I wore a very nice, huge ear to ear smile on my face. Went down there and did service and you know spoke. And then afterwards, I met up with a friend and. We went to a hotel, and we were actually in an environment where there was people drinking and hmm. partying really hard, but it was mm -hmm. really interesting to, to be around uh, that crowd and uh, to be sober and just to watch people progressively getting drunker and drunker towards <laughs> the countdown. My name is Max. I have been sober for 14 years. I have a sobriety wow. date, September 27, 2003. Tell me a little bit about your journey and uh, uh, where you were at and when, you know, you, maybe you first realized that you ne needed to make a change in the lifestyle. All right. Well, what, what happened for me was actually uh, late September, around there, I was uh, sitting in jail one more time. I was looking at a six-month uh, probation violation, which, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and at that point, you know, I hadn't done anything the judge that I had been seeing. I hadn't done anything he said. He first he gave me the, you know, the, mm. the simple one. I forget what it's called. Yeah. Couldn't do that. But I remember he put me on Prop 36. Okay. <clears throat> and where I was in my recovery, or lack of there at that time, I, I didn't care because I, you know, prior to that, before even recognizing I had to get sober, I remember walking in to do my intake with a counselor, and I, I looked at her, and I said, you know, I wouldn't even waste your ink. And she's like, why? And I said, because I'm going to probably get on my skateboard and go get high when I leave here. Mm. <laughs> you know, and that was, yeah. like, right before, <clears throat> or right when I was put on Prop 36, you know, I'll say a prayer for you. Mm -hmm. and, and you know addiction, it, it's, you it's just, rough, yeah. when you get to a certain point in your addiction, you just don't care. I was... Mm. You know, I, I was too chicken to kill myself, but yet I was doing it, like, on a daily basis. As one of my mentors said, every time I stuck a drug or a drink in my system, I was committing suicide on the installment plan. Wow, that's an interesting way to look at it. You know, and uh, so as I was sitting in jail the last time, you know, the, I, I remember for the first couple months, my mom didn't even come visit or answer my calls you know the only time she answered the collect call i don't even think she answered it was just to hear that her son was again 
sitting in a county jail, so she knew I was safe, and she hung up. Gotcha. You know? Yeah. She did. She did come finally to visit, and I remember. I'll never forget this. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is one of those moments of clarity that you talk about in your in your recovery. Is that when she picked up the phone, you know, and I'm sitting across the glass, and I pick up the phone. She didn't even give me a chance to speak. She just looked at me hmm. in the eyes and said, "Hey, son, you know, I love you, but you are no longer welcome in my home. Wow. If you come near my home, I will call the police." And my neighbors know if I'm not there and they see you in the neighborhood to call the police, what are you going to do? You know, and the first time in my life at that point, I, I gave her the best answer I knew, and that was, I don't know. Mm -hmm. You know what I been, mean? Yeah, that must have been really powerful for you. You know, it, it was because, you know, I think back on all the empty promises I gave. You know, I, I told my mom many times, you know, I promise I'll, I'll get straight. You know, I'll get a job, you know, I'll get the kids back so you could be a grandma, blah, 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 and, and always empty promises, mm -hmm. you know. <clears throat> so that was a, a definite moment of clarity where I just had to go, you know what, yeah, I really don't know what I'm going to do this time because I was I was looking at a three-year prison term. Mm -hmm. Because as I was sitting in jail, you know, the first month they just let you sit, you go in, and the judge is like, I don't even want to see you right now. He goes, you haven't done anything I've asked to I should send you to prison. And then, you know, that process started. Mm -hmm. You know, they found a program for me. It was treatment slash sober living, mm -hmm. you know. And then uh, the judge says, you know, I'm going to send you there. But if you slip up one millimeter, I'm going to send you to prison. Mm -hmm. And that was like another moment, like he's not messing around this time, yeah. you know. So that's where my journey began. They came and picked me up. Um there was a place called Pacific Park in Tustin, which is now the Chapman House. Okay. <clears throat> and it's no longer there, but, um, you know, that place saved my life. As much as I wow. hate to say it, I dislike the owner. His structure saved my life. Wow. Well, you're you here know, today. That's great. Yeah. You know, we were we had to go. It was mandatory that we went to two meetings a day. Mm -hmm. A 6 a.m. was mandatory, and you had to go to a night meeting whether you worked or not. And he mm. wouldn't take no for an answer. And if you... We had these uh, Wednesday night house meetings, and if he mm -hmm. called your name and said no to two of his questions, he would say, okay, pack your stuff, get out, I'm going to call your PO. Do you, think, do you think you needed that structure? I know I did mm -hmm. because I was out there for nine years. I, I was a dad at one point, you know, that was, mm -hmm. you know, before it got bad, <clears throat> you know, I was testing for the fire department, I was going to school, mm -hmm. and then once the divorce went, like, my life just, spiraled out of control when drinking uh, didn't help anymore you know at the time I found meth it was my little brother who mm -hmm. God rest his soul is no longer with us but at that time he had just got out of doing his first term in prison and I had found his you know his needle and spoon and mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I remember I was going through my divorce and at that time when I found out my wife ex-wife she had taken the kids and left the state without telling me and that, that's the moment where things got really bad. Mm -hmm. You know, my brother, you know, I locked him in a room with me. I said, there's two ways to get out. You either show me how to do that or you have to beat me up. And he just looked at me like, well, the first choice ain't going to work, you know. <laughs> I was on a mission, you know. I, like I said, I was too chicken to kill myself, but I didn't want to feel the pain that I was going through. Not yeah. having my there. They were the only thing at that time holding me together on the weekends, but. 
<laughs> so that happened, and then I, I found meth, and then it was on for nine years. And I remember even when they came back, I was so far gone that drinking and drugging was more important. You know, they could be in the house next door, but I'd either wait till they went to school or wait till late at night to, you know, mm. hurry like the rest in the night. And because I was too guilty and too ashamed to, to even face them. Yeah. <clears throat> well, thank you. Um, that that's so powerful. Thank you so much for that, um, for sharing a little bit about your journey. Um, where are you at now? You know, after getting sober and staying sober, finally, I relapsed four times. But after finally getting serious and. And doing the work that was, you know, suggested of me, I got, you know, I went back to school, I got my certification, and this year, 2018, I'm heading into year nine as a counselor. Oh, that's incredible. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, thank you. You know, and I, I think the experience I got working in mental health for five years and, and then the last four years now working in, in drug addiction is Mm-hmm. It's been amazing. It's it's something I, I never get sick of. I actually got back into, I worked with uh, teens for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then I went to a place called Solid Landings where I, I worked with my friend, Hugh Noampej. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, this past couple of years, what happened, fast forward, was three days after I turned uh, 12 years sober, mm-hmm. Or, yeah, 12 years sober. My sister passed of Parkinson's finally. She lost her battle oh, wow. after about 25 years. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then after that, um, I was moving with, who's now my ex fiance, we were moving to Minnesota. Mm-hmm. On the way to Minnesota, well, it was in Denver. I got the, my brother took his own life. My youngest oh, brother, who was two mm-hmm. years younger than me, who got sober when I did. Yeah. You know, struggled, but he had, I think, eight years of sobriety and relapse. So he took his own life, and that that hit me hard. And all that time between traveling to Minnesota and getting that news, I finished my bachelor's degree wow. in psychology. You know, came back home, did his eulogy, and um, have been processing that ever since. And then last year on Thanksgiving, my mom literally died of a broken heart. Mm. Thanksgiving Day. And then four days after that, that Monday, I put my youngest daughter into treatment. Mm. So it's been quite a journey and a test of faith and all this stuff I've learned in the program, you know, yeah. in my 12 steps. Absolutely. Max, you are truly a beacon of hope. That's incredible. What advice would you offer to anyone that, that might be listening to this, uh, that's, whether they themselves are struggling or maybe they have a loved one? What advice would you give to them? You know, one thing, my advice would be if you're, you're, you know, struggling with your addiction and you've been a part of the program, whether it's N-A-A-A-C-A, mm-hmm. get back involved and, and yeah. get back to the people that will know how to help you. Mm-hmm. Or get to treatment and get the help that you need. Mm-hmm. And for those family members, and one thing that I learned from my mom, you know, and she never gave up on me. She said, for instance, it was about two or three weeks before she passed, and, you know, I was back here in California, and every Monday night I would spend the night with my mom because we didn't want her to be alone. You know, as we were talking, she looked at me, and she said, you know what, thank you for giving me 13 years of your sobriety. Hmm. God answered my prayers. So I mm-hmm. guess what I'd say, my best advice is don't ever give up. Mm-hmm. You know? I love it, yeah. Have, have faith. But at the same time, if you're a family member, there's a point where you got to go, you know, enough is enough. I'm here for you, but you need to do the work. 
Absolutely. You know, and as the addict, we got we to gotta figure out how bad we want sobriety, you know. And through all that time this last year and a half, I not once thought about taking a drink or using a drug because, you know, I still do the same thing in year 14 that I did in year one. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I owe my life to AA and the 12 Steps. It's amazing. Um, is there anything else, uh, any other final points you'd like to add? Um, yeah, you know, I, I guess I would say if I was in, you know, the one struggling, as it was told to me, is keep your feet moving forward. Mm-hmm. Just put your head down and do the work, you know, listen to the people that have come before you, like whether it's your counselor or your sponsor or the guys before you or whoever. You know, it's just don't give up on yourself because you're worth it. You know, I always tell the guys I sponsor and the guys uh, I counsel is that you're worth the best sobriety possible. You know, God God doesn't make junk. You're one of his kids, and he wants you to have the best, but he's also not going to just give it to you. You're going to have to work for it. So don't give up on yourself. Strive for the best. Even in the times when you think you don't got it, you you'll have he'll give you the strength to get through. I love it, man. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. So with it being twenty seventeen or oh my goodness, it's with it being twenty eighteen I'm still not used to that yet, as you can see. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it'd be a great way to start the new year with uh, new you and practicing gratitude. So that's going to be our topic today. I am very thankful for this podcast, and I'm thankful for the last year and and all of our amazing listeners. Pej, what are you thankful for? Well, when it comes to gratitude, you know, I I'm at ten and a half years sober, right? And I remember when I was newly sober, I would hear people throw this word gratitude or grateful mm-hmm. yeah. around very loosely. And I, and I would sure. think like, I had no concept of what gratitude consisted of. I did not mm-hmm. know, what does it mean? Like, why do they keep saying they're grateful? Mm-hmm. I'm grateful to be sober. I'm grateful to, to have a life. I'm grateful for my parents. I'm gra-. And I'm like, why? Like, what are you so grateful for? And I realized that I was like an angry soul, right? So <laughs> it, it was like, I, do tell. I, I just, I didn't know what exactly people are so happy about right mm-hmm. and that, mind you i was new to sobriety so it's like when you're new to sobriety i was straight off the streets of methamphetamine right so mm-hmm. like I, I i was just i hadn't slept for the entire 90s so at this point like now i needed to catch up on sleep mm-hmm. i needed to get my my uh head right i was uh, in treatment i was in a lot of group process groups i was uh doing individual therapy and and i was i i you know, I had a lot of stuff that was backed up in the back of my head to where I, I wasn't really happy. I didn't love anybody. I didn't mm-hmm. love anybody. But most importantly, what it all boils down to was that I didn't love myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure it's hard to be grateful in the moment. It, it was really hard to be grateful. So I'd go to meetings and people would talk about, uh, today the topic's going to be gratitude. And, and oh, great, here we go again. And, <laughs> You know, lo and behold, for like a week, I remember going for a week, and it seemed like every single day the the next leader kept picking the topic to be gratitude. Mm. And there was always this one guy that would identify as Grateful Jack or something like that, and he'd be like, I'm Grateful Jack, and I'm a grateful alcoholic. And he'd just be like, who... Okay. What, what are you so grateful for, Jack? <laughs> Who cares? Like, mm-hmm. why would you be grateful for being an alcoholic? I didn't realize that later on, by him being in recovery, the reason that he was grateful was because had he not been an alcoholic, he wouldn't have been able to get sober and have the life that he got. Yeah. Now, wow. Uh, 
the things that make me, I mean, I could talk about what makes me grateful today, but I, I'd like to more talk a little bit about what worked its way up to me becoming more grateful. Yeah. I remember that when we were in Absolutely. treatment, the treatment center that I went to, uh, often I was around um, other clients that they were always complaining. And over a period of time, I started to kind of um, rejuvenate and become uh, more comfortable in my own skin and more, uh, I was embracing recovery. I was making it uh, something that I wanted to do, you know, one day at a time for the rest of my life. I, I had that mentality probably about a month in. And I remember we would go places and a lot of the clients would, well, they would complain about, well, they don't give us good food here or they don't give us this or why are we waiting here? Or, when is every, like, when are we, why are we going to that meeting? And I just heard a lot of complaining mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and, and, it, and it started to kind of bother me. And then you know they would talk about like the conditions of the house that we were in, and I would think like, this house ain't bad, like right. So could be worse. It I'm could sure. be a lot worse. <laughs> and and reason I like, I have experience with worse. And when I say worse, I'm talking like, I've been to jail, and when you're in jail, you don't have a pillow unless you get mm -hmm. it from commissary, which takes time. Yeah. So you use like a roll of toilet paper as your pillow, mm -hmm. right? And I've seen homeless people. I've been a homeless man. Like, I know when you have nothing that mm -hmm. once you start to obtain things, it's the small things, the, the bare mm -hmm. necessities, the essential things in life that if we're not grateful for those things that we have, then, you know, we're just going to, we're going to, we're spoiled. Like, basically, a lot of people are just spoiled. They don't know when they have something good. You don't know you have something good until it's gone, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I myself, I remember... Um, there was a guy who one time said, if you're not grateful for what you have today, you certainly won't be grateful for what you get tomorrow. Mm. And um, That's deep. It's very deep. Because if truly, like, if so for me, an attitude of gratitude needs to be on a daily basis. I need to be mm -hmm. happy for what I have today and everything I have today. For one, I was doing drugs, like heavy duty, like meth. I was doing heroin. I was doing opium. I was doing acid. I was doing ecstasy. I was doing all these things. And I'm... I'm graced with the fact that I didn't shoot out, like I'm not shot out, right? I didn't mentally lose. I mean, I lost it mentally during those times at times, but like I didn't die. Like yeah. I wake up every, mm -hmm. just the simple fact that I wake up in the morning and I'm breathing is something to be grateful for, mm, right? Absolutely. Right? The fact that I'm not a slave to a cigarette anymore as I was for all those years, right? I've In February, it's going to be three years. I haven't had one cigarette and I, or not even an e-cig, right? I'm grateful that at this point, my lungs are probably more grateful than I'm grateful. <laughs> but I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that I'm not um, waking up in the morning if I slept the night before looking for my next fix. I'm grateful for the relationships I have with my family members. Truly, like, there's so much spirituality that I feel in, in having a conversation with my mom to where she tells she asks me how I'm doing and her son, a sober son, can tell her I'm doing really good or this is where I'm coming short or this is where I'm, I'm dealing with this and that. I'm grateful for her. I'm grateful for my mentors, my sponsor. I had a question this morning um, where something was going on where I needed sponsor direction. Mm -hmm. And I called him up and I'm like, you know, I, I want to ask you a question. I need some sponsor direction. Sure. What do, what do you need? And I got to ask him the question. And I'm happy I asked him because if I hadn't asked him and gone off of my own will, I probably would have made a really bad decision. But because of him being there for me and making himself available, I was able to ask him. He gave me guidance and I didn't act on my own will. I'm mm. grateful for that man. Yeah. I'm grateful that he's in my life. I think that, you know, there's a lot to be gra grateful for. And 
Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll leave it at that, and then you can ask me some more questions. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing all that. I, I uh, still have some more to expand on that in a second. Well, that's great. What it, so what advice would you give to the Scrooges out there in the world or maybe someone a little bit too uptight and doesn't know how to express gratitude How then bundles it all up? What, what advice would you give? What advice would I give? I can tell you that this is what they told me early on. For one, I need to stay out of my own way. And for mm, two, I need it's hard to, sometimes. And for two, I need to get over myself. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that um, people that are really stuck in that mentality of being angry at the world or mm-hmm. or not um, wanting to express gratitude or not wanting to allow gratitude to come into their lives are somewhat committed to misery. Yeah. Uh, and it's a sad thing. I, I'm not just saying this off the top of my head. It's what I was taught early on. I remember yeah. when I was in treatment, there was always one particular person. I won't say who it was, but she <laughs> would always just, it was just like a complain fest. It was like uh, all day long, this is wrong. This happened to me. Yeah. Don't you know this happened? Like if you knew what I've been through, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it, Blaming everyone but themselves. Granted, like I understand, we, we all have a story and we all yeah. have a background, we all have a life. But mm-hmm. at a certain point, if you come into the path of recovery, and or even if you're not in recovery, if you want to have a good life and you want to live serene, it's time that you look at the things that you have in life and be grateful for what you have mm-hmm. and grateful for what you don't have, which, you know, a lot of people don't realize that. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I think, you know, one of the things that, that I think a person could do um, to help themselves in becoming grateful is go out and find a homeless person mm-hmm. and just go up to them and ask them what happened to them in their lives. Mm. Just ask them. If they're in somewhat in their right mind and they can talk to you, ask, love them, that. ask them what happened. Ask them if it gets cold at night. Yeah. Ask them um, how long have they been living like this. Mm-hmm. Ask them if they'd like a sandwich, not money. Don't give them money. Mm-hmm. Just ask them if they would like a sandwich or something to eat and then as you walk away from that think about it think about like what where their sleeping conditions are at night and where yours are and if you're not grateful then really like you're really stubborn right yeah i mean that's incredible i i don't think enough people do that i think people just you know a lot of people have just keep on walking and it's because a lot of people are self-consumed you know what i mean they're they're always thinking about themselves they don't really um, they're not thinking about like how other people are living or yeah. how good they actually have it. Even just asking those questions could be extremely impactful for that individual too. Absolutely. You know, there's a lot of time they just want someone to talk to. I have a mentor. It's a spiritual advisor. He tells me to do those things. Yeah. And the best thing that you can do for that person is see if you can get them to smile. Mm. You may make their day. Mm-hmm. You know. You know, I was listening to a podcast the other day. Uh, the uh, I forget his name offhand, but the uh, the CEO of PayPal mm-hmm. said one of the things that he did with his business partner was actually live on the streets for 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did this while he was a multimillionaire, right? But just to to get in that mindset and and switch into now I know what it's like to live that way and mm-hmm. live you know 24 hours right. in that lifespan, mm-hmm. and he took with him such a level of appreciation for everything else absolutely absolutely yep i think that's wonderful i mean just think Mm. about that that guy was like be a hard challenge it's a hard challenge but (laughs) you know i think it's definitely beneficial i think it's very beneficial put yourself in other people's shoes Mm -hmm. so what are some techniques if you have anything to switch your mind maybe mindfulness or maybe 
I don't know, any, anything to, to train your brain into getting into a more grateful daily practice? So this, this is what I, I believe. I, I believe that um, in humanity, especially in our society, um, people's levels of consciousness is only limited so much. Mm-hmm. People aren't always paying attention to their thought process. People are more worried, and I, I, I'll speak for myself too, there was a time when I was more worried about what's going to happen or I was more saddened about what's happened, where I was robbing myself of what's going on right now. The present moment, obviously, you know, we always talk about the here and now. What's what's more important than anything is right now, right here, right mm. now. What do I have going on right now in my life? What don't I have going on right now in my life, right? Um, I think that a lot of people, if they actually want to become mindful, one of the best ways of becoming mindful of of their actions and their behaviors and things that are going on in their life is to pay attention, close attention, Mm -hmm. through an attitude of gratitude, through Mm -hmm. the act of gratitude. So how does one become grateful? I think in the top of the morning, one of the things that works best, and anyone can do this, Mm -hmm. I do it. I mean, I'm on a, we have this group me app, me, and Mm. uh, it's 50 sober men. Uh, We call it Sober Brothers. Sober Brothers? Sober Brothers. (laughs) B-R-O-T-H-A-Z. That's um, great. What we do is it's it's a bunch of sober men, Mm -hmm. some newly sober, some that have been sober for a number of years. Hmm. But we all, um, on a daily basis, when we wake up in the top of our morning, some people wait till the end of the day, I I guess. Mm -hmm. They like to get grateful by the end of the day. Mm -hmm. But we like to, uh, we basically, when when I created this group with these guys, Mm. I told them, Write stuff that you're grateful for, but like go deep. Like we, mm. we don't want to just write. I'm I'm grateful for oxygen. Like that's right, a no yeah. brainer. We don't even think about mm. oxygen to be grateful to, to to have it. But like be great. What what are you really grateful for? Like what in the world do you have going on right now that you're grateful for? And some of the things that I read people you know in these people's lists are things like I'm grateful that I have a relationship with my mother today. I'm grateful mm. that my my child looks at me and I see the you know the eyes of God. I, I'm grateful that I'm able to be a productive member of society and make it to work today. I'm grateful I have a job. I'm grateful I get to go to my job, not I have to go to my job. Uh, you know, it's it's all about changing your mentality, changing the way mm. you think, changing your thought process, changing the way you talk, changing the way you are i think over a period of time when you start like it becomes like gratitude becomes implemented into your life and how you conduct yourself and how you think it becomes a way of life and life just becomes that much more serene i notice that sometimes when the guys fall off the course and don't write a gratitude list for a while i don't hear from them for like a few Hmm. weeks mind you these are addicts and alcoholics in recovery that uh, all of a sudden they're not grateful or they're forgetting to be grateful or they're forgetting to to contribute to the group and I'll talk to him like in a few weeks later, and lo and behold, what's going on with you? Oh, I'm totally depressed. Really? Why are you depressed? I've been in my head a lot lately. Why? Well, because this is happening, and I have this bill, and my girlfriend and I are fighting this. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, what happened to gratitude? Yeah. What are you grateful for today? Mm-hmm. You know, like what? Are, what are you grateful? Are you, aren't you grateful that at least you have a girlfriend to have a problem with? Because yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of people that are alone out there in the world that really sure. wish that they. They, they had somebody in their lives or aren't you grateful that you have a warm home or that you have three meals a day or just these things oh, I feel like I've already written that enough times well keep writing it mm. get back into gratitude trains your brain yeah it trains your brain gets you out of your head and over a period of time you you, you know you start feeling better about yourself because mm-hmm. you have a lot of things that a lot of people would die for mm. yeah. that's great I'm uh, I'm gonna try that out 
<laughs> you can write it's it down. Those things, yeah. You can do it the old school traditional way and get a pen and paper out and write yeah. it on a piece of paper, or you can just text it out like us. <laughs> a us, modern us, day, a modern day generic uh, uh, internet. That's great. It puts type I, of folk. I, I'm sure it's going to put a lot of things into perspective that we just take for granted on a daily basis. Totally. So what uh, what what advice would you give about the really tedious situations? Now you kind of said this a little bit before, but but maybe. So you, you, you're grateful for your job, but you have a boss that's on your ass constantly. Uh-huh. Or you're grateful that you're able to have dinner with your entire family, but they're fighting during the whole time. How do you stay grateful in, those, in moments like that? Um, well, I think when you say those things, you, you don't want to look at the back end of the... But <laughs> there's a but, it seems. Sure. And when you're, you're saying that, I think... Just being grateful for the moment, marveling the moment, for better sake of words. My friend says that. Marveling, marveling the moment. The just, just the fact that you're able to have dinner with the family. Because remember, we won't always have our family members forever. Mm-hmm. We won't yeah. be able to cherish moments with certain people because at the end of the day, we're all going to die one day, right? So when we yeah. lose each other, those moments, if we didn't cherish the moments, then what? Like we're never going to be grateful if we hate everything. Mm. Or find everything wrong with everything, right? Um, so I think uh, I think taking the butt out and whatever comes after it, we just leave that be and just look at like what what is it really that that's happening here that that there is to be grateful for. Pej, that's great. Thank you so much. Is there that's about everything that um, I could think of to ask about gratefulness? I got a little homework now and things that I'm gonna start implementing into my life and. And see how that takes effect. I'm, I'm sure it'll be positive. Is there anything else you'd like to yes, add? Yes, I do. I want to add please, one last thing. Please continue. So um, real quick, I wanted to read my gratitude list for today just so you oh, get a that's, good example I love it. of uh, what, we, what I send out to the guys. Um, it says, good morning, family. I'm grateful for people who led by example in recovery. I'm grateful I learned from Ali Jun it's harder for us to see our egos than it is to shed it. I'm grateful I can seek to expand my levels of consciousness and spirituality. I'm grateful I got to visit Ronnie in jail yesterday. Oops. And have nice <laughs> conversations with him. I'm grateful I can recognize and work on my defects of character, of judging others and gossiping through awareness. And I'm grateful I know God is love and love is God. That's incredible. And you just text this to yourself? I text it in the morning. I send okay. it out to the Sober Brothers group, which is oh, 50 okay. people. I see. Okay. And then on top of that, I also text it out to about another... 15 friends from here throughout L.A., Orange County. Oh, that's great. I'm sure this is something you could put up on social media, too. I don't know what kind of response it would get, but maybe a a daily Facebook post about what you're grateful for. Every so often I'll I'll put a post on Facebook that says, what are you grateful for today? And it's just nice to see, like, what other people, even people that aren't in recovery, what they're they're grateful for. And it's usually, Mm. you know, very uplifting, inspiring, beautiful things that they write you know a lot of people are grateful for their kids and their children their grandchildren and mm. music and so many different things yeah. you can there's so many things that you can find to be grateful for mm. on a daily basis different things it doesn't have to be the same thing every day and mm-hmm. then there's some people that are grateful for the same thing every day to each their own more power to them I, i'm not gonna you know the, the, whoever whatever keeps you happy because gratitude like at the beginning at the top of the show you were talking about what are you thankful for thankfulness is parallel to gratitude to gratefulness thankful is you know i'm, I'm just thankful i'm alive I'm, I'm thankful i woke up this morning breathing 
and I get to go about my day and interact with people and have a good day. It just makes life much easier. You're in much better spirits when you have that attitude of gratitude. Mm, that's great. Well, I'm thankful for you, Pesh. I'm, and I'm, th- I'm, a, I'm extremely thankful for you. I can't, I, can't, <laughs> I can't express my gratitude enough for you, Austin. Mm. I'm blessed to have met you in the last year and that we're doing these shows together. And Likewise, we're, we're my trying friend. to help people and, you know, make the best out of it. I appreciate it. Thank you. And I'm grateful for all of our listeners, all of our audience paying attention to this. That is a great segue into, I'm just going to ask you all a question. Whether you're listening to this at the beginning of the year or any time, sit back and ask yourself, what are you grateful for today? Pej, thank you again, my friends. This has been another amazing episode of the Sober Grind Podcast. Thanks, guys. Over and out. This podcast is made possible by Beginnings Treatment Centers. They are located in Southern California, and they are awesome. If you are looking to get sober, no matter where you're at in life, give them a call. Their number is 800-387-6907, and a very friendly representative will get you started today. If you are on Facebook, we also have an amazing support group community called Ask an Addiction Specialist. You can find that at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash ask an addiction specialist. You can join in there, ask for support from community and other peers, and you can ask questions to addiction specialists. There are live streams twice a week and a lot of really great content in there, so check it out. And lastly, if this podcast was useful for you, if there's anything that you can give us as feedback, we would love to hear your thoughts. Please subscribe. Please leave us a review on iTunes, Google Play, or whatever your favorite podcast platform is. And send us an email at either Austin or Pej, P-E-J, at beginningstreatment.com. 